Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in Monday edition of the program and obviously the big news coming out of the weekend, Trace Jackson Davis will return to Indiana next season. Kind of a, we don't know behind the scenes how everything unfolded, but very unfortunate to see him uh, come down with COVID-19 for him to be unavailable to play, to participate in the NBA combine, which he was selected to do so. And I still thought He may give it a run and do some workouts next week and garner some more interest from NBA teams uh, just to get better for next year and find out what he needs to work on and and get those experiences under his belt. But he made a quick announcement uh, on Friday that he's going to come back to Indiana. He's set to have a press conference later this afternoon in Bloomington, so we'll have some of that for you on the Tuesday edition of our program. But with this news, IU, I think, uh, in unison, a lot of people will have near or at the top of the Big Ten Conference uh, for next season. I've already seen some people list Indiana as the front runner in the Big Ten Conference for next season, which obviously means it's going to be a very, very, very exciting offseason and probably a long offseason for Indiana basketball fans. But a lot of good news here in the postseason, and things uh, have just worked out uh, exactly for Trace Jackson Davis, where the path probably makes the most sense, no question, to come back to college for another year. So a lot of discussion about that today. Let's uh, We've got a busy show. Let's get right into the show lineup today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, before we get into IU and Trace, we've got some local news to talk about, and that's Floyd Central player, graduate Kobe Barnes, who went to Indiana State and took advantage of uh, playing junior college basketball for a year to get re-recruited. He partnered with Sean East, who recently committed to Missouri. Kobe, over the weekend, also announced his new college home. He's going to play at Southern Illinois Edwardsville next year, and so we'll talk about that coming up here in just a few minutes. Kobe is going to join us to talk about his college decision and what that year of junior college basketball was like, the chance to get re-recruited. It was a really good year for both Kobe and Sean, and we'll talk about that with Kobe when he joins us in a bit. Later in the hour, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star will be with us. Obviously, with him, we'll jump into IU Hoops and the return of Trace Jackson Davis. And then we'll wrap things up here on this Monday program. Chad Gilbert, athletic director at Charlestown, former coach in the area, IHSA executive board member. We always talk about local sports topics, and you've got a lot to talk about this week. A very big week as far as spring sports 
and their postseasons go. Big baseball matchups starting on Wednesday night. We'll be in Jennings County, weather pending, and bring you those games. I know, uh, unfortunately, after a great week of weather last week, it does look like there are some chance uh, chances for rain throughout the middle part of the week, which makes me nervous when it comes to trying to clear things on the radio and get high school baseball games in. But we'll preview the baseball sectionals with Chad and you know summer basketball in June high school basketball returns for at least a few weeks almost a month as uh, teams play together practice together get an early look at next season and uh, how things go uh, with our local team so Chad and I will break all of that down coming up a little bit later in the hour today. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. And joining me right now here in segment one, Kobe Barnes, a Floyd Central graduate who had a really good year at John A. Logan in junior college basketball. And yesterday, Kobe announced Southern Illinois Edwardsville is going to be his destination for college basketball back at the Division I level next season. First off, Kobe, welcome in, and congratulations on your decision. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Kobe, let's talk about uh, SIU Edwardsville. What made it the destination? What made it the choice when you announced things over the weekend? Uh, coach Baroni, uh, the head coach over there, has a really good vision. And uh, his offense, I feel like I could fit in with his offense and his defensive schemes. And I also feel like the OVC has, is more wide open than it ever has been. And uh, I really want to play in the tournament, and I really want to be a professional basketball player. And uh, I feel like that SIU Edwardsville was the best uh, position for me to accomplish both of those goals. Kobe, uh, a great year of junior college basketball. You had a great year individually. You teamed up with Sean East, another local player uh, who just committed to Missouri. I thought it worked out very nicely for both of you. Why the year of junior college? What was the reasoning behind that? And then talk about how good that year, that experience was for you. Um, so honestly, I went junior college just so I could reopen my recruitment. Uh, whenever I entered the portal out of Indiana State, I had schools, I had some Division ones that were talking to me, and I could have went back Division one, But I decided ultimately in the end that I was going to bet on myself and uh, go the junior college route and really try to make some noise over there and then see where all the cards fell after that. Uh, it was great being able to go over there. John A. Logan has the tradition of being uh, a great a powerhouse in the junior college level and being able to go there, team up with guys like Sean East, uh, Cam Alford, Tay Williams, just to name a couple is really great because it's a lot of talent in the junior college level. And I mean, we sent six guys division one or seven guys division one after this year. So, I mean, we had a lot of really good players and we were just a really good team. So being able to compete at that level every day, against guys that are that good every single day. There's not much more you can ask for. Kobe Barnes, my guest. Kobe, you had some great years playing high school basketball here locally at Floyd Central. For someone that maybe hasn't seen you play in person since your high school days with the Highlanders over the stops at Indiana State and John A. Logan, 
How has your game changed and how has it progressed? Um, at Indiana State, I was more, I played more of my role and uh, was just more of a role player. Uh, this past year, I felt like I could turn into more of a uh, primary ball handler and primary scorer, or if not primary, secondary scorer on uh, a winning team. And uh, I had a lot of guys that helped me and helped me believe and helped believe in me, starting with the coaches and then my teammates, especially Sean. I mean, Sean, me and Sean worked out every morning at 7 a.m. We were getting shots up and working on different things every single day. So to have guys like that that believed in me and uh, could really help bring my confidence out and help me be get to the player that I am right now, it was it was great. I think that's interesting you talk about, Sean, and the teammate, the relationship you had. I know you guys, especially at John A. Logan, became really, really close friends. And probably hard for some people to believe just a few years before that you were rivals competing against each other in very high-stakes high school basketball games, but you guys really developed a friendship that I think will last. How did all that come together, and was it kind of different at first, playing with a guy that you used to compete really hard against and want to beat? I mean, it was weird at first, and if somebody would have told me that me and Sean were going to end up being roommates uh, I would in high school, I would have looked at him and laughed. <laughs> but being able to be there and see what type of guy he is and just get to really like know him and see where his mind is and be able to play with him. And, I mean, I played against him in high school and college So because he went to Bradley and then I was still at Indiana State and we uh, got to play against him there too. So being able to just see a guy like that and see what type of work he puts in, see everything – come together like that, it's, it's great. I mean, it's a lot of respect. I have a lot of respect for him, and uh, I'm really proud of him and where he's gone. And I just can't wait to see what he does later. It's I, I feel like it is a friendship that's going to last forever. Kobe, while we're talking about Sean and your all's friendship and teammate opportunity at John A. Logan, uh, can we reflect back for just a moment about some of those unbelievable rivalry games between the Highlanders and the Bulldogs. Uh, so much talent on both sides uh, in those games. Unbelievable crowds kind of almost taking you back to uh, high school basketball here in the 1980s, uh, long before you were around. Uh, how, how special was that to participate in those really good years of basketball here in the area? And do your teammates at, at junior college or now at SIUE, will they even believe that you played in front of as many fans and had that sort of interest in a high school game as what you guys did between New Albany and Floyd Central back in those days? It just it seems like something that may be hard to ever be replicated again here in the area. Nobody ever really believes me whenever I tell them that we would go to the largest high school, game, high school uh, gym in the country and it would be sold out three nights in a row. And nobody ever, whenever I tell them, my teammates, that nobody ever really believes me. But it's, it's just special. I mean, being able to play in games that high level and that high stake as a young kid, uh, it helped prepare me a lot for the college level and not being, it helped me not ever get nervous about really anything because I probably played in front of more people than uh, in high school. I mean, at least to see more than I have. Maybe the Yum Center is the only thing that compares, but being able to 
playing games against guys such high level, Sean, Romeo, Julian, Derek, Josh Jefferson, just say a couple guys. That's just Isaac Hebert, those guys just off the top of my head. Uh, it's You don't really see that that often in, on the national level, let alone in small town Indiana. So, I mean, being able to play that level and have that type of interest in the area, it's, I thought it was really big time. And, I was. I feel really blessed to be able to say I've played in these games. Yeah, absolutely. Kobe Barnes, my guest. Kobe, uh, I know your next step is Southern Illinois, Edwardsville. You announced that yesterday over the weekend. Uh, but you've got goals beyond just college basketball. Uh, wh- what do you see yourself doing? What opportunities would you like to have to continue in the sport when you get done playing your college years, would would you see yourself trying to play professionally at some level? And you know, I've I've always wondered with your interest in the game and your knowledge of the game, even as a player, would coaching ever be something in your future? It's uh, definitely the goal is to make it to the NBA. That's always been the goal, and it always will be. But. If worse comes to worse, I'm going to at least try to – this is going to sound crazy saying worse comes to worse, but at least try <laughs> to make it overseas and make some money playing the sport. But um, for sure, I mean, coaching has definitely came in my mind. I don't think I could coach at the college level because I don't want to have to deal with 15 of me for no, 365 days a year. But maybe in the high school level, come back home and – Coach, coach up at Floyd or something like that, maybe see if I could get going over there. But I don't know. I mean, I want to open up a facility as well down in this area. So whenever I get whenever the ball stops bouncing for me. Absolutely. All great goals for Kobe Barnes, who joins us here on this <coughs> Monday edition of the program. Kobe, final question. We talked a little bit about Floyd Central, Coach Sturgeon, your coach, and someone that you knew for many, many years before you got to Floyd Central, recently announced his retirement, at least from high school coaching. Uh, can you, as a player, as somebody that played for him and I know still stays in touch with him, talk about what he meant to you and really to Floyd Central and helping bring that program back? I mean, Coach Sturgeon is one of my favorite coaches of all time. I mean, to take a kid like me and just believe in me and uh, really help develop me into not only the player but the man that I became today, uh, it's really rare and to have somebody uh, who just believes in all his kids and helps push his kids and doesn't take things lightly and has that college experience in the business approach to the basketball world I mean he's a really rare man and uh, I I was really extremely blessed to have him in my life and I think without him I would have been I don't think I'm anywhere close to the player that I am today so I mean it's all it's it's sad to see him go but I mean he had a hell of a career and to see him go out the way he did and Put and have his guys play as hard as they did and compete every night at the level that they were competing at. I mean, it's it's really special, and he's done that for the past really since I was a freshman. Right. So I mean, I just I can't wait to see what he has in store for his next stop. Absolutely. Kobe Barnes with us. Kobe, a big congratulations to you on your college decision. He'll get back to the Division One ranks and play at Southern Illinois Edwardsville next season. It was so fun to watch you at Floyd, and it's been great to follow you through college, and that will continue at SIUE. Congrats, man.
Thank you. All right, Kobe Barnes with us to start off this Monday edition of our program. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open, 502-414 is that number. Again, 502-414-1450. The Thornton's uh, Refreshing Rewards app. You can download it today for great savings on fuel every day, and we'll head to a commercial break. When we come back, the big news of the day, news of the weekend I think IU fans are still partying. Trace Jackson Davis will return for a fourth season of college basketball in Bloomington. He announced on Friday he's going to have a press conference a little bit later this afternoon uh, to confirm that. But big stuff for IU next season, and we'll discuss it all with Zach Osterman of the Indy Star after this on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Monday program. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, my guest. The Thornton's text line is open. That number, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Zach, uh, really a, a busy week of news last week, all surrounding Trace Jackson Davis. First, we learned early in the week that he had come down with COVID the prior week and would not make the trip to Chicago for the NBA Combine. I think most people really felt like that put an NBA future, at least this draft, in doubt for him. And then by Friday afternoon, not only was he not at the Combine, but he had announced or at least tweeted a video that said he was coming back to Bloomington for another season of college basketball. And I think IU fans, even though probably a little disappointed Trace didn't get the opportunities I think that he deserves because of having COVID, are obviously rejoicing that he is going to come back and probably make IU a front runner or one of the front runners for the Big Ten Conference next season. It did feel like it was kind of – it had been moving in that direction. I know you and I had talked about it. Um, I think it always felt like the the thing that Trace was probably – without wanting to put words in his mouth, and, and we'll talk to him next week, uh, or excuse me, later today, not next week. I was thinking about Friday. And it, it, ignore me. It's, it's a Monday brain. Um, but I don't want to put words in his mouth before we talk to him, but it, it always felt from a practical standpoint like what – Trace maybe needed if he was, unless he was just, you know, absolutely sure about staying in the draft. And it certainly seemed like he was open to either possibility coming back or staying in was a commitment from enough teams to say that even if maybe they wouldn't draft him, they'd put him on a two-way contract with a real sort of clear path to a shot at the NBA within a couple of years. And losing the combine, therefore, because of his his positive COVID test, I think he did get some other workouts before then, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, But but losing the combine where he was going to be able to showcase for every team in the league, interview with any team that wanted him to, test in front of every team that was interested in him, all those different kinds of things, that did feel like maybe a tipping point. 
And, and again, it, it's not like I think he's only coming back because he got COVID and missed the combine. Um, I think that, that probably in his own mind, it always felt like coming back was a definite possibility, but maybe that did crystallize some things, clarify some things in, in his own thought process uh, that, that led to this, uh, led to this uh, outcome. Zach, uh, I think it's clear that Indiana was already in for a buzzworthy type of offseason with who else is coming back or coming into the program. But with Trace Jackson Davis now officially back in the fold for next season, I've already seen some list Indiana as the front runner or a front runner for the Big Ten Conference next season. Do you agree with this? And I tell you what, Indiana fans have, have waited a long time for the chance to really even compete uh, legitimately, I think, for a Big Ten Conference championship. This may be one of the longest off-seasons ever uh, for IU fans, especially in our state, uh, given all the high praise and potential ahead for this team, uh, getting marks of maybe being a Big Ten championship caliber club. I would definitely fit Indiana into that conversation. Um, I think you know, you, you use the right term there, a front runner. There is no obvious favorite this year. There, there are seasons where there is one. Certainly last year around this time, we would have said, um, you know, even if they don't win the league, any conversation about who's going to win the Big Ten needs to start with Purdue. You know, in the past, I think we, we've seen – Wisconsin teams that way, Michigan teams that way, you know, even 2013 when Indiana was preseason number one overall, there were other really good teams in the conference that year. That's, that, you know, top to bottom may be the best year I've ever covered in the big 10. Um, in fact, I suspect it is, but Indiana was still kind of the clear class of the league that year. You don't have a team like that this year. Um, and, and obviously we're, we're still waiting on some, some sort of stay or go decisions you know, Michigan still got a couple that are in the draft and um, you know, you, you've got, I, I think Chris Murray is still declared from Iowa, not Keegan, not Keegan, but Keegan's brother, Chris, he's, I think basically announced that his, his whole plan is to go into the draft, go through the process and then come back. But you know, it, it you do feel like he's kind of the heir apparent to his brother in terms of being a, a volume scorer that can carry a certain load for Iowa so that could matter. But you, you do look around. I mean, Wisconsin's lost its two most important – well, two of its most important players. I would argue it's two most important players in Brad Davis and, and Johnny Davis. Obviously, Purdue has lost some key pieces. Illinois, I think, is going to be a very, very different-looking team. I'm not sure that – I'm not saying that they're going to be bad next year, but they're going to look very different without Kofi Coburn and some other roster turnover that's happened there. You know, Ohio State with E.J. Liddell. Rutgers is, is losing a couple key pieces. Michigan State now won't get Max Christie back. And I think somebody else I'm, – I'm, I'm, all this kind of gets jumbled up in my brain, but I think they're losing somebody else uh, from their starting five as well. The point is, in a conference where it feels like a, a lot of teams are going to have to deal with some, some key departures, Indiana is maybe alongside Michigan, depending on who comes back to Ann Arbor, um, the team that at very least you go into next season feeling like you know the most about. And there's still some things Indiana needs to get better at, not least, of course, the three-point shooting, um, and then the wider idea of offensive efficiency springing out from that. That, that is a, a 
very familiar refrain. But if you're sort of looking around the league, you know, in September, October, and you're starting to try and put together a forecast and you're saying, okay, what, you know, what do I know? What can I trust? Well, you're going to look at Indiana and you're going to say they've got probably, you know, they've got four starters back. I wouldn't be surprised if at least one of those starters maybe has fierce competition for his minutes. There's a really good recruiting class coming in. There's, um, you know, a, a, a legitimate 2,000-point score. I mean, that's that's the track Trace Jackson Davis is on now. There's guys like Trey Galloway and Tamar Bates and Jordan Geronimo that if they can take another leap forward this offseason, they're going to be impact players. You look at Indiana and you feel like, okay, there's still some questions. There's still some, some stuff they got to figure out. But there's a lot you can trust about Indiana on paper going into next season. And I think that to me, I mean, for me anyway, makes them as much of a favorite as anybody. I wouldn't, you know, put my mortgage on them winning the conference, but when you start that conversation, when, when you have that conversation, they've got to be among the first teams you think about. Zach, one other thing about Trace coming back, and I really hadn't thought about it from this perspective until I read your story about Trace's withdrawal from the NBA draft and return to Bloomington, but he really could threaten a number of different uh, records as far as the IU basketball history book goes in Bloomington. He's going to challenge to be at the top or near the top, and I think at, what, a couple different categories? Yeah, I mean, he is, likely to set a program record for blocks and, and I'd have to go back and find all the records, but he's, I think it would take like a quarter of his production in terms of total blocks from last season, just to set the record this upcoming season, depending on obviously how many games he plays, there's a decent chance that he breaks Allen Henderson's all time rebounding record. He probably won't get to Calvert Chaney's scoring record, but he certainly, I think, if he produces it again at anywhere near the level he did last year, he's going to land top five. He's going to be Indiana's first 2000 point scorer since AJ Guyton. Um, you know, he's, he's, I mean, and again, like you, you don't know with some, you know, some, some key pieces back, some, some really good players coming in, maybe his production goes down a little bit because Indiana can spread that load out a little bit more. But then the flip side to that is you would certainly argue that he ended last season, you know, the last seven games of last season, he averaged 21.6 points per game. That was as dominant of a stretch as we've seen from Trace in his career. And you think back to some of those performances, you know, 29 points against Wyoming, 31 against uh, Iowa, 21 uh, against Illinois, 24 and eight rebounds against Michigan. Um, you know, if he's, if he's able to replicate, maybe not all the production, but certainly kind of the, the, the dominant performances that he kind of put together in the last month or so, maybe last three weeks of last season regularly, then yeah, we're going to be talking about a guy that, that, that is, that leaves college, you know, top five all time in IU in scoring, um, probably tops in blocks, possibly IU's career all time leading rebounder. And then there will be, you know, another, you know, some, some other things sprinkled in there. I think he's got a decent chance at, like, setting a program record for free throw attempts and things like that. And obviously that's, that stuff is secondary. But certainly if he stays healthy next year and Indiana has, it, it, even just in terms of the number of games played, uh, a season similar to this one, 
um, we're probably talking about Trace Jackson Davis leaving is, you know, is one of the most statistically successful IU basketball players of all time. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, my guest. Obviously today, lots of discussion about Trace Jackson Davis announcing his return to Indiana. Now, we're going to get a chance, the media is, to hear from Trace a little bit later this afternoon. He's set to uh, join a Zoom press conference, I think around 3.30 today. So it's going to be interesting to hear what he has to say about the reasoning in his return. And obviously, I'm, I'm sure that he's going to state his goals and team goals for next season, which are only going to make Indiana fans even more excited about the, the season that's still a long way off. What do you expect to hear from Trace today about his decision? Do you think that we'll hear COVID and, and that opportunity kind of taken from him with the combine was a big part of this? Or is this something that he's been maybe working toward all along? I mean, I, I, you know, I would be surprised if losing the combine didn't affect his decision. Maybe at very least, you know, kind of speed up his decision in, in the sense of saying, well, without that opportunity, how much more was I going to get out of, you know, another 10 days roughly of, you know, of this, this, this process. Um, on the other hand, uh, again, I think from the beginning, he has been fairly open about the idea that, that he wasn't going into the draft, you know, with, with one foot and nine toes in the NBA, the, the, the idea of returning was always one he was open to. And even when you saw him in the draft, even before he tested positive for COVID, I'm thinking about, you know, him tweeting at Dale and Terry around the news of the IU Arizona game, starting to kind of come together and congeal for, for Las Vegas in December and being like, oh, this could be a really, you know, he's, he's, I guess my point is even sort of publicly on social media, it's not like he's behaved like a player that, that just was, you know, it, it packed up all his stuff and moved out of his apartment and, and all but left Bloomington behind in his own mind. I think this was always a possibility. Losing the combine may have clarified some stuff for him. Um, you know, he may have also, it's also possible, and it'll be interesting to see if he, what he says about this today. You know, it's also possible that maybe he was already trending toward coming back and, and he was just going to kind of use the combine as one more, you know, big experience uh, to draw some, you know, some, some feedback and, and just, you know, again, sort of some further kind of seasoning from the from the combine before coming back. I think it will be interesting to hear. Um, again, you would have to think that his his whole issue with COVID and the combine certainly plays a role in his decision making process. But I don't think he was ever looking at this as I'm 99% gone and there's only a 1% chance I'm back. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star, my guest. I think once you get past the excitement of TJD returning, uh, the conversation also has to include how does Mike Woodson find playing time for the returners uh, on this roster that uh, are deserving and maybe a guy like Jordan Geronimo that everyone agrees it, it can have a breakout season if he's uh, given the right opportunities. And also there are some newcomers coming in like Jalen hood Shafino and Malik Renault that are big-time high school prospects that uh, you know are, are guys that you expect to come in and see some sort of role and some sort of minutes even in their first season. It's going to be a real juggling act, I would think, just looking at it from the onset of the number of uh, players and the amount of talent on this team that really uh, you could argue time for and, and minutes for. I mean, that is the, that is, I think that's perfectly fair. Um, you know, and, and listen, to some extent, these, these issues always kind of sort themselves out. 
you know, I think, that, for example, there are people who kind of said to me, and I had this conversation with someone earlier today, that, you know, geez, Indiana suddenly looks maybe a little bit light at point guard compared to where they were a year ago. And, um, you know, I, I, I sort of said, well, that's true on paper in the sense that we would have looked at Indiana last season as a team with three point guards. But the truth was that by the end of the season, you were really only getting production from one of them. So even though you lose two, and in theory, Jalen Huchifino is the only other kind of, I want to say true point guard, because I think he can play some off the ball, but the only other kind of dominant, you know, ball handler type that you're bringing in, you might actually get more production from Hood Shafino and, and Xavier Johnson than what you got from point guard last year. There are just, I mean, you start to shuffle the combinations. It's going to depend on a lot of things that we can't work through until we see this team in the fall. How, how much better does Jordan Geronimo get? How much better does Trey Galloway get? Um, you know, how much can Tamar Bates kind of pick, back up from what I think you know, by any measure was a disappointing freshman season, but certainly you feel like there's still a lot of talent in there. Uh, you know, a lot of talent for him to work with and for Mike Woodson to mold. Um, does somebody pop up, you know, does, does Anthony Leal take a step forward, something like that to one of the freshmen that maybe we expect, because this happens sometimes too. So, you know, does one of the freshmen maybe we expect to play a smaller role, come in and, you know, CJ Gunn just knocking down threes from all over the court and suddenly you got to find, time for him it is the proverbial good problem to have and Mike Woodson obviously showed a real willingness to go nine ten players deep into his bench last year so I don't think it's gonna be hard for him to find playing time but I think again kind of going back to the idea of Trace Jackson Davis and maybe his numbers coming down a little bit coming back I think a, a best case scenario is that you don't need to rely so heavily on Trace Jackson Davis because you get some better three-point shooting, which suddenly means that you're sharing the scoring load a little bit more. The offense can be a little bit more free-flowing. It's not necessarily one where you feel like you've got to four-speed the post, possession after possession, just to get good things to happen in the flow of your offense. Um, it, this uncertainty is part of the reason why you don't maybe feel comfortable anointing Indiana the Big Ten favorite, just the, the, the absolute clear and outright favorite. But again, it is, as I said, the proverbial good problem for a coach to have that you're looking at this and saying, you know, breaking up these minutes is, is going to be a little bit difficult because if it's not even necessarily a best case scenario, but if, if you know, something approaching the best case scenario happens for, let's say, Trey Galloway, Tamar Bates, Jordan Geronimo, Malik Renault, and Jalen Hutchifino, then there's five guys none of whom was a regular starter next year, who might all be able to make a case for starting this season when you've already got, again, four players coming back who were regular starters for you a year ago. It's going to be interesting. Um, and the flip side is we know Indiana is going to be playing a pretty difficult schedule. So they're going to need these guys. And they're going to need to be – they are going to need to be the kind of team that is not the complete article in November, but it gets better and better as the season goes along. And I think that they're at least poised you know, to potentially be able to do that. Um, but this is, this is part of what comes with being better. I mean, I, I don't, it sounds a little bit flippant, but in the past few years, we've had Indiana teams where we could, we could tell you who the starting five was in June. And I'm not sure how healthy that is. And I think sometimes that was reflected in a lack of overall depth and production in November, December, January, February, March. I think a team like this, where we have a lot of these questions and we're not going to be able to sort through them all right away, I think that's a positive for Indiana because it says the overall level of talent 
has risen substantially. And now it's on Mike Woodson and his staff to figure out the right blend to get the best out of everybody and raise the ceiling as high as possible. IU basketball with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Stars. Zach, before we let you go, I do want to note the IU baseball team. They were swept over the weekend at Iowa and uh, still barely got into the Big Ten Conference Tournament. It takes the top eight seeds into the conference tourney uh, from from the season. IU got the eighth seed. I believe they'll take on top-seeded Maryland, if I'm not mistaken, uh, when Big Ten Conference play gets underway. Uh, an up-and-down roller coaster year for IU baseball, but they'll have a postseason at least in the Big Ten Conference tournament, just barely getting in. And, I mean, it is worth saying – you said it was an up-and-down season. I mean, they, they did recover fairly well. I know that that last series, you know, there were some, some ugly moments in that, that Iowa series. But the flip side is you kind of go back to where they were in mid-April when they got – I think they lost they, – they only won one of three against Northwestern, one of three at Purdue. Uh, they got swept by Rutgers. It's been a difficult season in particular for pitching. But, I mean, they took two or three against Nebraska – they took two or three against Illinois. They took two or three at Michigan, which I think was big. And then winning the winning two or three at Minnesota, they at least kind of pulled some stuff back together. It was always a bit of a rebuilding year. There were a lot of freshmen on this team, a lot of you know, a lot of contributions from transfers and things. Um, this always felt like it was going to be a bit of a season of growing pains. But again, the 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 last series at Iowa, notwithstanding, and I recognize when. You know, when you you get outscored forty four to seventeen over three games, notwithstanding, can carry that. That's a, a phrase carrying a heavy load. Um, this team did get better at the right time and did kind of power its way through the back end of its, its schedule to get to the Big Ten tournament. Whatever happens there, I think if you're if you're IU, if you're Jeff Mercer, you do feel good about kind of the way you ended the season. Now the question is if you can a really get some of these young players to, to kind of kick on from here and continue to get better and be certainly stiffen up your rotation, whatever happens, you know, this, this next week, because you've got some talent in the lineup there, uh, a couple of really, really good freshmen in particular. Um, but you, you also look up and down, you know, the schedule. And I mean, I think that, that, that Thursday game at Iowa, if I'm not mistaken, Indiana was up 13 to two in the fourth inning. And lost thirty to sixteen. Yeah, I mean that's you know <laughs> crazy. That, that kind of tells you everything you need to know about where the pitching is and, and where it's got to go. Absolutely crazy. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star with us Monday. Zach, as always, thank you. We'll talk next week. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. As always, we'll head to a commercial break. Come back with our final segment. Chad Gilbert will join us. Chad is the AD at Charlestown High School, former basketball coach also on the IHSA executive board. Spring sports and their postseasons are underway in some sports. We've had a lot of uh, number of track and field sectional champions here locally. And this week it's time for the baseball and softball teams to step up in the postseason. We'll talk about that and more coming up next with Chad here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this in for 
All the small schools never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Monday program. Chad Gilbert, my guest. We talk local sports in this segment and a lot to get to. Chad, first I want to start. Kobe Barnes was with us in the first segment today. Uh, another local guy, Floyd Central product. He's going to play Division One basketball again after a year of JUCO hoops at Logan over in Illinois. Uh, Southern Illinois, Edwardsville, his location next season. Amazing the number of D1 basketball players and athletes coming out of the area here as we talk about almost on a regular basis. Matt, are you familiar with Southern Illinois, Edwardsville? Not a lot. So you don't know one of the most notable graduates, a former player of Southern Illinois, Edwardsville? I don't think so. Amy Gilbert, a four-year starter at Southern Illinois, Edwardsville. So Kobe Barnes going there is outstanding. If you've never been on that campus, you want to talk about a hidden gem. My goodness, it's beautiful. Just outside of St. Louis, I think Kobe's going to have an outstanding opportunity to compete for a uh, playing time, you know, possibly a starting position. But no one's going to roll over and give him one up there. That's a tough – that's a tough uh, – spot to go in, you know, when you're at a Division One level where everyone is competing for that position. So it'll be something that he'll be, he'll be able to come in and compete for it and have an opportunity to play. But, my goodness, he's in a great spot over there. And I think, um, Matt, they, they are in a, a um, OVC, correct? I believe, yes, OVC, Ohio Valley Conference. I think they're in the OVC, yes. The, uh, Southern Indiana just moving to that, making that transition as well. So uh, good for Kobe, excitement for him. Um uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of different things in that one. Uh, Kobe's mom is the assistant principal at Jeffersonville, and uh, uh, Kobe's uncle, Jeff, was the, played at New Albany whenever we played back in high school. So we've got a lot of connection there, excited for Kobe, and I think he'll have a great opportunity and a lot of fun. Absolutely. Chad, switching gears from basketball to baseball, it's a big week. Uh, man, it's hard to beat some of these sectional games this week. Uh, that 4A sectional at Jennings County, is going to be really good. Most, if not all, those games could be or should be great ones. But great to see sectional action across the area this week. Baseball and softball uh, have their sectionals. And uh, before long, the high school sports season will be behind us uh, for this year. But baseball, I think, especially in our area, seems to take the stage this week and maybe for the next few weeks because we've had uh, a history here recently of teams making deep runs into the tournament, and we've had some baseball state champions as well recently. Well, you know, Matt, you think about it, this part of the year is, is exciting. Like you said, baseball is uh, ramping up with sectionals this week. Softball, and if you haven't had a chance to watch a softball game, it, it's the most exciting sport that schools have to offer. You want to talk about getting in the box, swinging at the first pitch, and aggressive running on bases. My goodness, softball games are fun. And they don't last three days. A high school baseball game, you better pack a lunch, dinner, and breakfast. They last so long. But it's um, it's something that our area, we have had a lot of success in baseball. And, you know, this year I don't see anything different. I think you could see a, um, the Borden Braves actually making a nice run in the 1A over there that they could uh, 
have an opportunity to advance in the state tournament. But it'll be interesting. You know, so much of that depends on the pitching. So much depends on the weather. And baseball is the hardest sport there is, Matt. As you, you've covered enough games, you can hit the ball right at the nose, right on the nose, right at the third baseman. So it, it's it's interesting to see how that one goes. And when it's one game, it's you know it's it's one and done. Chad, you've got a number of postseason events at Charlestown with the great gymnasium, but uh, these baseball and softball facilities that you now have, uh, are you on a rotation to get anything in the postseason there? Because uh, they're the type of facilities that deserve a sectional, regional, or even beyond, perhaps. Well, Matt, one thing that it makes it tough is uh, when you have turf, which we do, there'll be no rainouts, and you can go. There's no dragging the field in between games. You're getting one team, two teams off, and two teams on, and let's go. So that's a great um, advantage for athletic directors. The disadvantage is if you're the host school, you're playing on that field every day, where the visitors may have only played on that turf field one time a year since there's so few turfs on there. So sometimes these sectional opponents say, eh, you know, we're not used to playing on that turf. We'd rather play in a grass field or play in the dirt field or whatever else. So we had some progressive thinkers in our conference. We will be hosting the sectional in softball, not next year, but the year after. And baseball, I would see it coming down the road as well. All right, good stuff. Chad Gilbert with us on Mondays. Chad, uh, June marks also the start of high school basketball in a sense. Uh, Teams can practice. They can play scrimmage games. They can go to some shootouts on college campuses and different places. And now there's even a couple weekends later in the month when uh, college coaches can evaluate players with their high school teams. And it's amazing how this stuff has changed and come together over the years, there was a time where it would be unthinkable outside of maybe some open gyms to get your high school team together for practice, let alone games in the summer. But in June, teams will be going at it. It doesn't have the fanfare of the regular season, but a lot of good games coming locally and beyond. We'll kind of get a real good feel for next uh, basketball season based on what happens the next month. Well, Matt, you um, you do an excellent job with your summer league over there, and that gives opportunity, one, for kids and coaches to try out different things. And two, it shows kids a reason, one, they should be playing if they have the opportunity to go out there and show, or it gives a coach an opportunity to show a kid why they're not playing. So it, it's a good, summertime is good. I wish it was scaled back maybe to a 12 days of whatever you want. So if you wanted to go three days a week for four weeks, I think that would be good. Or if you just wanted to hit it hard 12 days in a row, get it over with and go on I think that would be good. I think that would help with kids. I think that would help with coaches. But what's what is going on this, Matt? We'll talk a little bit more about that Charlie Hughes as it gets closer. Just an outstanding thing for your team to get together and get noticed. Chad, the music means our segment is over. A shame because Bob McEwen had been working on some NIL deals for you that we wanted to share, but we'll hold those for next week. You're, you're going to get paid, Honey, baked ham, buy one, get one. I'm ready to go. <laughs> All right, that wraps up this Monday edition of the program. Back with you Tuesday. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.